Welcome to Bangalore Revival Center, a church dedicated to loving God and serving people. Today, Pastor Priti continues to teach from the series Emmanuel with the heart for hosting God's presence in our lives. We believe this word will be a blessing to you. Ready to go into the word for this morning? 1 Kings chapter 19 and verse 1. The Bible says when Ahab when he got home he told Jezebel everything that Elijah had done including the way that he had killed all the prophets of Baal. You know the family of Ahab. He has a famous personality called Jezebel in the house. And the Bible says Ahab as soon as he got back home he came and informed Jezebel Ahab was the one to come and inform Jezebel of everything that Elijah had done. See, if you're a child of God, if you're doing something worth with your life, you will be the talk of the town. People will talk about you. Demons will talk about you. Spiritual principalities will discuss about you. But if people don't know you or if if demons don't know you, then there is that's not a good sign. it's a sign that you don't you don't you're not creating a big enough impact on the kingdom of the darkness but the bible says that ahab was so impacted by what happened on mount carmel that he went back home and he told jezebel everything that elijah had done because elijah not just brought down fire from heaven he also killed all those prophets of baal that were propagating idol worship in the nation he stopped them he he made sure that every single one of them is slaughtered on that i think around 400 prophets of baal got slaughtered on that day when the fire of god came down on mount carmel and the bible says this jezebel she was the one who had initiated this baal worship she was not a jew she was from a heathen nation she was the one who started this worship of baal in the nation and the bible says in verse 2 so jezebel this is what she did she sent this message to elijah what was the message may the gods strike me and even kill me by this time tomorrow if i have not killed you just as you killed them now you know that back in the day they did not have text messages Come on. They didn't have WhatsApp, Telegram, Instagram, nothing. So how would how would Jezebel send this message to Elijah? What pigeon? <laughs> you know that they use pigeons for messages. But what else would she have used? A messenger. Right? She would have sent a person to personally go and tell Elijah, Elijah, by this time tomorrow, the queen says that by this time tomorrow you are going to be dead. Right? Now my question is this. If if Jezebel really wanted to kill Elijah, if Jezebel could really kill Elijah, would Jezebel be sending a messenger or should she be sending a soldier? Tell me about it. See, do you think that she was serious about her threat? No. She couldn't have touched Elijah. She couldn't have, you know, taken a hair off of Elijah's head. But what she can do is she can 
scare Elijah into believing that his life is a threat. See, this is what the enemy does with us too, right? The enemy knows that he cannot touch us. But what he will do is he will send the voices of those messengers. He will use sometimes people that are close to you. He will use sometimes people that you trust and you look up to for their appreciation and their affirmation. And he will use those kind of voices in your life to tell you that your life is done. Your marriage is done. Your finances, you're not coming out of these issues anymore. This is the finishing point of your life. You are done with this. And yet, children of God, this is something that you need to remember. The enemy cannot and he does not have the authority to destroy your life. He doesn't. And let me ask you this. Will God, when God has decided, you know that in, in God's word, he is, it says that he has a plan to prosper you. Now, if God has made his plans to bless you and prosper you, do you think God will change his mind about you? Okay, so God will not change his mind about us. The enemy cannot destroy us or touch us. Then who is responsible for those blessings coming to us? Us. We are, we are responsible. So often, you know what we are doing? We are praying, saying, God, you bless us. Why don't you bless? God has said, I have, I have blessed you. I will bless you. I, it is my plan to prosper you. And you're, you're praying against the enemy saying, oh, the enemy should not touch me. The enemy should... Guys, the enemy cannot touch you. I'm not saying you should not do spiritual warfare. I'm saying that he doesn't have the authority to steal God's blessings over your life. But what he does, what he can do is from time to time, sow a negative word into your spirit. He can sow a word that is going to cause you to be discouraged. He can sow a word that can cause you to self-sabotage. Where you will go kill what God has put inside of you. Where you will go kill the destiny that you were born with. God is not going to change his plans for you. The enemy cannot steal it from you, but you by your own mistakes. Because if you believe Jezebel, then you are going to go and sabotage your own life. Let's see what Elijah did. Verse 3. Okay. Let me give you the context. This is the same man who killed the prophets of Baal. This is the same man who brought fire down from heaven. This is the same man who shut the heavens for three and a half years. This is the same man who raised the widow's son back from dead. Come on now. You know the story of Elijah. This is the same man who was sustained by the brooks, by a raven who came to feed him. This is the same man who walked in signs and wonders. And what did, what did Jezebel do to cause him to be afraid? A word. One text message. One phone call. Just something that she sowed into her, his spirit. And here is this anointed man of God. This man of God who has done so many things in the past. What is he doing now? The Bible says he was so afraid that he began to flee for his life. Check this out. This is Elijah we are talking about. One of the boldest prophets in the Old Testament. And he was conquered by a negative word which he believed. See, you should understand, there was a lot of threat to Elijah's life even before this. You know that King Ahab wanted to kill him. 
But Elijah never believed it. But when Jezebel said, I'm going to kill you, Elijah believed it. And because he believed it, he began to get afraid. See, I'll tell you this. Just like your faith is going to invite God's presence in your life. You know, that faith is how you move God. That when you act, exercise in yourself in faith, when you, by the words you speak, you invite the presence of God into your life to do signs, wonders, miracles, breakthroughs. In the same way, the fear that you release into the atmosphere with your words, that fear attracts the devil to come and work in your life. It's not, it's not that the enemy has access into your life, but you give him access with the words of fear that you speak with your own mouth. And that is why it is necessary. That's why the Bible says life and death are in the power of your tongue or in the power of your words. See, your words will tell me how much of fear you have or how much of faith you have. And the Bible says, Elijah, he was so afraid now that he fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. He had somebody who was ministering to him, who was helping him in this last season. And he left him there. And what did he do? Verse 4, it says, after that, he went on alone. Everybody said alone. alone. He went on alone after he left his servant. You know, He had a servant who was assisting him. He left him there. This spirit of fear caused him to be isolated. This spirit of fear caused him to be all by himself. Withdraw from everybody. Withdraw from all kinds of fellowship. Withdraw from church. Withdraw from whatever God is doing and just be by myself. I don't need anybody's help. I don't need anybody's protection. I'll just, I'll just figure things out by myself. He just withdrew. And it says that he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day because now he's afraid of his, for his life, right? Now he's fleeing from Jezebel. And it says he sat down under a solitary broom tree. Check this out. He was a man who was alone now. He was a man who was afraid now. And he goes and seeks shelter under another tree which is also alone. It was not in a forest. Where does he find? He finds, see, this is, this is something about, about the spirit you carry. If you carry a spirit of rejection, of loneliness, of being alone, you're going to automatically attract another person who carries the same spirit. And then both of you are struggling in life. Then you are feeling lonely, she is feeling lonely, and then you're wondering why your marriage is not working out. Because you're not supposed to find a formation in that tree in the first place. I'm trying to say here was a lonely Elijah. And when he wanted to search and find help, he found help in another lonely person. He found help in another lonely tree. Whereas he is the, he is the man who could just stop at a river and ravens will come to feed him if he needs to. You know, he, he can just go and find, uh, you know, widows who can feed him, take care of him. You know, he's the man who can blind the armies of Israel. If you've read what he has done, he has done crazy stuff. 
This is not a man that can be easily taken down. But because he is now in this phase where he is alone, he is, he's been surrounded by this negative voice. Now, because he is believing those voices that the enemy is speaking to him, he ends up taking shelter in a place where he is not going to be blessed either. So this is what I want to tell you to begin with. Identify and disassociate from every voice in your life that has the capacity to paralyze you. There are voices that has the capacity to isolate you. You know, it doesn't begin with paralysis. It begins first with just, you know, saying hey, you're not good enough. You, you don't have anybody in your life. You don't have anything you need in your life. And it keeps on growing one thing at a time. So you need to, this morning, identify those voices. Before I introduce you to God's voice, before I introduce to God's presence, you need to first get rid of these voices. You need to first intentionally get up every morning and say, no, I don't believe that text message. I don't believe that doctor's report. I don't believe this nonsense that they are saying on the television. You remember, there was a time they said in Bangalore that in a month's time, the COVID rate is going to double. That, that time, we had 8,000 cases. What did we declare in church? I said, no, not in my city. From 8,000, it came down to 300, 400. Amen? And that's what it takes for children of God in this season that we will refuse to believe what the enemy says. And we declare the truth of God, we declare the voice of God over the negative situations in our life. Now, see, is there a threat to Elijah's life? Absolutely. As long as Jezebel is alive, there is a threat. But that threat can have power over Elijah only if Elijah would believe in that threat. So is there a reality that there is infectious diseases all around us? Yes, absolutely. But it can affect you only if you believe in the power that it carries over you. I don't believe that it can affect us. I don't believe that it can touch us. I don't believe that, hey, financial lack can be part of my household. I don't believe that, hey, relationships cannot break in this church. We cannot have unwanted, wrongful relationships in this church. We believe that. And we pray for that. And if you believe that, and if you declare that, and that is going to be part and parcel of your destiny. So this morning, you need to identify them, and you need to disassociate from those voices that has the capacity to paralyze your life, that has the capacity to paralyze you. Look at Elijah's confession now, okay? This is Elijah saying, I, I have had... Enough, Lord. How many of you have prayed this prayer? Come on, just be honest. Come on. Come on. Thank you, Lord, for all the genuine people in the house. I know that all of us have prayed this, but we just, we just not, we, we're just not honest enough to accept it in, on camera because you know that there are cameras pointed at you. And you know that pastor is going to go back and check all the clips to see who, who all raised their hands. But you know, we've all prayed this. Come on now. Lord, this is, this, is, this is not done. I, I've had enough, Lord. Come on, the next line. <laughs> he, he's saying, Lord, I, you know, I'm, I'm a child of God. I'm a Christian. I cannot kill myself. 
but you can kill me, Lord. You know, you know that, right? We we prayed that. Anybody else? <laughs> if I kill me, it's murder. But if you kill me, it's it's good, Lord. Please. And and this is this is Elijah's confession. See, Elijah was now going from bad to worse. Now he has believed this, and he is actually choosing to devalue the anointing upon his life. Can you imagine what he says? For I am no better than any ancestors who have already died. Any of my ancestors, I'm, I'm like everybody else in Israel. Now, come on, you and I know that there is nobody like Elijah, you know, who has served in that season of Israel. And in fact, the Bible says, Elijah will come back again in the end days. In the book of Revelation, we see that. In fact, Elijah was one of those persons, we'll read about that, who came to meet with Jesus and to encourage Jesus, the Son of God, to give him help. Amen? And this is the same Elijah who is saying, I'm no better than anybody else. Can you imagine how convinced he is of this lie that the enemy spoke to him? That this is it. This is the end. I don't think there is any good point in my life. It says, then he laid down and he slept under that broom tree. See, this is the thing about that broom tree. If you find uh, comfort in this, under this broom tree, which is solitary, all by himself, without any other association, that broom tree will also put you to sleep. This tree is supposed to help you, propel you, strengthen you, feed you, and send you on your journey. But here the Bible says, Elijah, he lay down and now he's sleeping under that broom tree. But as he was sleeping, somebody said, as he was sleeping. Wow, the Bible says an angel came and touched him and told him, get up and eat. An angel came. A voice of God came. Somebody that was sent by God came to him and said, hey, come on, get up and eat. You cannot live like this anymore. You cannot sleep here. God is not against you sleeping, but now it's not the time to sleep. When you're discouraged, it's not the time when you sleep. When you're upset, that's not the time you sleep. When you're angry, that is not the time you sleep. There's something else you got to do right now, Elijah. Get up and eat. Right now, it looks like you are not thinking properly because you don't have food. You know, sometimes, some people, you know, if you don't give them food, where are those people in this church? Are they, uh, is anybody in this place? I work with a few people. I don't know if they're around. But when, when you don't give them food, man, it's... Uh, I, 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 some of them, they need to go on a fasting and praying. And The Bible says God spoke to Elijah through an angel. God didn't come, okay? This is one of the first times when an angel would come, uh, come and bring a message to Elijah. Never before has that happened to Elijah. Elijah is somebody who stands in the presence of God. And when God wants to speak to Elijah, God speaks to Elijah. But right now, he's in so much discouragement that God had to send an angel. God had to send somebody else to speak to him. You know, I, I, I have people who come and boast about how, how this prophet called me and that pastor called me and they had to come and give me. And I have, this has been my personal experience that prophets come and tell me things when I'm not listening to God myself. Prophets have to come and see, look at this David guy who was walking with God, who had the heart of God. Why did God have to send a prophet to correct David? 
because he was not listening to God. David didn't need a prophet to come and tell him that he has sinned. He knew by all definitions of the word sin that he had sinned. And yet God had to send an angel. God had to send a prophet. God had to send somebody else because he was not positioned in a place to hear God's voice. Let me tell you this. If you are sleeping under the wrong places, if you're sleeping on the wrong bed, if you're sleeping in the wrong situations, then you, even though God wants to speak to you, even though God likes to speak to you, even though God wants to reveal his presence to you, he cannot and he will not. Because if he does, he will be saying, it's okay for you to stay under this broom tree. It's okay for you to sleep here, Elijah. In fact, the angel comes and he touched him. Okay, and he told him, get up. This is your season not to sleep. This is your season to get up and eat. But look at our wise men, our you know, strong prophet Elijah. What did he do? It says, he looked around. There beside his head was some bread baked on hot stones and a jar of water. So he got bread and he got, he got food and he got drink. Okay. The Bible says he got up, he ate, and he drank. <laughs> Come on now. The pastor is preaching week after week about prayer, about presence of God. You come, you listen, you shout hallelujah, you say amen, you go back and you sleep under the same broom tree. And you're wondering why there is no progress in your life. It's not because food is not coming to you, Elijah. It's not because the touch is not coming to you, Elijah. It is your choice to stay under the same broom tree. You're saying this, you, you think this food is for your entertainment? No, this food is to strengthen you to go to another place. This is not your destiny. Your destiny is not under that broom tree, under that solitary broom tree. Then the angel of the Lord came again. Thank God for the grace of God. See, this is the grace of God. The grace of God is that he doesn't give up on us. That he continues to touch us. That he continues to speak to us. He continues to disturb us. He continues to wake us up. He continues to cause us to be uncomfortable in that place where we become too comfortable. It says he came again and touched him one more time and said, get up and eat some more. Or the journey ahead will be too much for you. See, Elijah, the food that I'm giving you, the drink that I'm giving you, it's not so that you can go back to sleep here. It is so that you can get up and travel. There is a journey that is waiting ahead of you. So in a season when you're feeling disappointed and you're alone or you're feeling disconnected from everything, that is not the season for you to take a rest. That is not the season for you to calm down and chill and, and go to sleep. No, that is the season for you to travel. That is the season for you to take a journey. There is a special journey you need to make in the season when you are discouraged. So he got up and he ate and drank. And this time, because he had direction about where he was going, the Bible says that that food now gave him strength. See, this is the same food he ate some time back. But he didn't know what to do about it. So he just ate and he, go back, he went back to sleep. But this time the angel comes and tells him, no, 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 this food is not just for your entertainment. This food is for the journey that you have to take. 
And so he get, gets up, he eats the food this time, and it says the food gave him enough strength, enough strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. Check this out. This is what God says is a place where you will find answers to your discouragement. When you're discouraged, you don't sleep under the broom tree, you travel up the mountain. You go up the mountain. You, you take the journey to the presence of God. You take the journey to the place where God can give us encounters. You take that journey. You take that painful, long journey. And, and whenever you come into church, whenever you, you read your Bible, you spend time receiving from God, what you're getting is food and water. What you're getting is the, the, the strength that is required for you to climb up the mountain. We get satisfied with the food. We think that, oh, wow, I listened to the word. I listened to the prayer. I, I attended the service. That's amazing. You know, that's it. I'm a good Christian. No, no, no. This is only the food required for you to travel up the mountain. This is not your destiny. Receiving the word is not enough. That word has to strengthen you to climb up the mountain. Travel 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. So the spiritual food and drink that you receive from here, it strengthens you, it empowers you, it enables you to travel up the mountain of God. The Bible says, when he reached the mountain of God, there he came to a cave and he spent the night over there. So, so 40 nights he's not slept. Just check this out, okay? 40 nights. And 40 days, he's not slept, he's not taken a break, he's constantly walking, journeying to the mountain of God. See, this is the same journey that took Israelites 40 years to travel. It was the place where God encountered the Israelites in Exodus chapter 20, and God gave Moses and, and the Israelites, and God, God gave them the Ten Commandments. This is the place where God encountered the Israelites. And from there till Israel, they took another 38, 40 years to reach the land of Canaan. But now, Elijah, because he has had this food that strengthens him, because he has had something special that the angel served him. This is not the same food that the widow of Zarephath served. This is not the same food that he is used to cooking for himself. This is the food that came from the table of God. And now this food is has enabled him to travel for 40 days to that place where God is going to encounter him now. Amen? So today, I don't know what is your expectation, when, what was your hunger and faith when you came to church this morning, but today you're getting food that is able to take you to a place which would normally take normal people 40 years to reach. This food is able to take you to that depths of relationship with God. This food is able to take you to that depths of encounters with God. This food is able to help you, nourish you, strengthen you, to bring you to that place where you can encounter God. And what will take 40 years for a disobedient Israel will take 40 days and 40 nights for some of you. What would take ages for somebody else will not take you the same time. You will conquer it in supernatural time. He came to a cave and he spent the night there. But the Lord said to him, everybody said, but. but. 
the Lord said to him, what did he say? What are you doing here, Elijah? See, this time, the angel doesn't come. This time, the Lord begins to speak to him. See, under the broom tree, God will not speak to you. Under the broom tree, God will have to send an angel. God will have to send a messenger. But when you reach the mountain of God, God will say, come on now. I'm ready to talk to you. I'm ready to reveal myself to you. I'm ready for a dialogue now. Now I'm not in your territory. You are in my territory. Here we can have a conversation, Elijah. So what are you doing here? What are you here for? What is your prayer this morning? What is your desire this morning? God wants to hear it from you. It's not because God doesn't know it already, but God wants to know if you are really after the, 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 the deep things, if you're really after those things that, will, that matter to the heart of God. And so God tells him, so what are you doing here, Elijah? Tell me, I want you to speak. I want you to tell me what you're really after. So that's the question that, Elijah was asked. Now, Elijah could have said anything. At that time, that was the point where he could have received strength. That was the point where he could have received direction for the next season of his life. That was the point where he could have, you know, gone from glory to glory. You know, that when God appeared to Solomon, God asked him, what do you want, Solomon? And and Solomon said, I need wisdom. I need strength. I need understanding to rule your people. So in this season, God is going to encounter some of us and God is going to give us this blank check offer. What are you doing here? What do you need? What do you want? I pray that we will not waste that opportunity. You know, Elijah, he began cribbing when God gave him that encounter. He began to complain. But the thing is, God doesn't, God, he, he is not impressed by your complaints. He's impressed by your faith. The Bible says it's impossible to please God without faith. So if you can exercise your faith when you have that encounter with God, you will have more access into the heart of God. But if you will respond back with complaints and all the things that is going wrong in your life, you know how when we're just waiting for that one moment when we have God's attention so we can complain, so we can tell him all the things that God has done wrong in our life. Why did you allow this? Why did you cause this job to go? And here, Elijah, as soon as he goes to God, he he's now putting the blame on everything around him. Check this out, okay? He replies, verse 10, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, as if God doesn't know it. He says, but the people of Israel, they have broken their covenant with you. And because they have broken their covenant with you, this is what they did. Now they have torn down your altars and they have killed every one of your prophets. Now I am the only one that is left and now they are trying to kill me. You are standing before the king of kings. You are standing before the Lord of lords. And that is the last place you got to be afraid of a man trying to kill you. Can you imagine the fear that has gripped him? That he's, he's wasting, now he's wasting his encounters with God. See, what could have been a stepping stone to the next level of Elijah's ministry happened to be his resignation letter. God received this as his resignation letter. And God said, okay, you can't do this, no problem. Appoint Elisha and you can move on. If you can't do this, no problem. Don't do it. See, 
This is the thing. If you, if you are somebody who lacks revelation and you go to God and you crib, God will come like a father. He will embrace you. He will, you know, clothe you. He will help you. But if you are a general in the house of God, see, it all changes how you, who you are. See, it's like this. If, if somebody who is who's not, uh, you know, who's not that grown up in the Lord, if they come to me and they, you know, they say, guess what, I, I committed a murder or I did something bad, you know, I will embrace him, I'll, I'll love him, I'll do everything. But can you imagine one of our pastors come to me and say, I was really mad, I was really upset. What do you think I would do to them? It would not be the same as that who, to whom if somebody brand new had to come and say, hey, I need some comfort, I, I don't know what to do, I don't know where to go. Here, come on, you have better understanding. You have a revelation of, of fire coming down from heaven on your sacrifice. You have seen how I have taken care of you during three, three and a half years of famine. Why are you behaving like a child? Why are you cribbing like you don't know who your God is? Why are you wasting this encounter you're getting where you're standing before God on the mountain of God, in the presence of God, and all you have to talk about is your problems? That is not where you talk about your problems. Come on now. Am I preaching to anybody in this house this morning? Am I teaching any one of you some principles? If you want to not waste your encounters, if you want to not, you know, get rid of these blessings that God is giving you in this season, then you need to be sure to speak, to ask, to desire for the right things when you get these encounters. The Bible says, then God told him, this is God's reply. Okay, you are staying in a cave too long, Elijah. Why don't you go out? God doesn't reply to his problem, okay? When God doesn't reply to your problem, it's not a sign that God doesn't love you. It's a sign that probably the things that you're asking for, it's not important enough. God tells him, go out and stand before me on the mountain. So God says, okay, I think that you don't have a proper revelation of who I am. So right now you only see my voice, right? Why don't you go out there? And stand before me on the mountain. So the Lord pushed him. The Lord told him, let's, let's get out of here. Uh, and, and, you know, what God was pushing him to do is saying, now it's too long that you have been surrounded by all these problems and all these negative voices and all these negative things. I think now you need to come to a place where you learn to face me where you see me face to face, you stand before me. I believe that in this season, some of us, the Lord is calling us to stand before him. You know that when Elijah came and introduced himself to uh, King Ahab, do you, do you know how he introduced himself? I, here I am, I'm somebody who stands in the presence of the Lord because of which I'm decreeing right now, unless I say there will be no rain, no dew in Israel till I say. So what was this introduction? What was the place that he came from? That he stood in the presence of God. He stood before God. So now God is telling him, you need to stand before me. Which means right now he's not standing before him. Right now he's standing before the Jezebel who is trying to influence him. 
Right now he's standing before all those voices that are out there to hurt him, that are out there to destroy him. And God is saying, no, if you're afraid, if you're too insecure, that is a sign that you're not standing before me, church. So in this season, the, the, the need of the hour is for a bold church. And a bold church is born out of her love to stand in the presence of God, to stand before the face of God. A bold church is not born on a Sunday morning. A bold church is born in the war rooms of prayer where you stand before the face of God, where you stand before his presence, where you see him face to face. If you have been standing before God, you will not be afraid of who is threatening you, of who is trying to bring you down. Come on church, God is asking us, God is calling us. No, 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 no. God is, God is... God is drawing us to that place where we can stand before him, to the place of first love, to the place where we were originally supposed to be, to stand before his presence. Elijah, come on, Elijah. That's who you were once upon a time. You were supposed to stand in the presence of God. But now, God has to come and remind you, where is your first love? Are you still standing before me? So now God begins to Reveal himself. It says, and as, next verse, verse 11. Are you ready for this? This is where I'm getting into my sermon today, okay? Are you ready? Pay very close attention. It says, and as Elijah stood there, okay? Till now he was not standing before God. Till now he was standing before his problems, struggles, all of it. Now as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by. The Lord is now ready to reveal himself. Now, Emmanuel, God with us, God's presence that we want to host, that we want to interact with. It says that same encounter Elijah is now having, where God begins to come close. The Lord passed by. Now this, check this out. This is very similar to the encounter that Moses had. Do you remember Moses had this encounter where God passed by him, and Moses, he came out of this encounter with his face shining, gloriously shining. But none of that happens to Elijah. Isn't that a sad thing? I'll tell you why in a moment. It says, as Elijah stood there before the face of God, the Lord passed by. And the first thing that happened is that a, a mighty windstorm hit that mountain. He's on the mountain of God. Can there be a windstorm on the mountain of God? When you're pursuing the presence of God, can problems come against you? Yes, it can. It says, and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose. Okay? And the Bible says, but... Come on, read that with me. But the Lord was not in the wind. So, we, you know, I want you to imagine this in a cinematic way in your head, okay? God is coming. God is passing by Elijah. Elijah knows that God is passing by. But now it is Elijah's duty to recognize if this is where I can find God or if that is where I can find God. So first, he's looking for God in a windstorm because he's heard of other people who have encountered God in a windstorm. 
You know, David in 2 Samuel 22, I don't have the time to go there, but go and study it for yourself. He would have an encounter with God and he would write a song saying, God, he rides on the wind as a cherub. He, he will ride in a wind. So there are other people in the Bible who have had their encounter of God in the wind. So Elijah is looking for that encounter in the wind. But the Bible says the Lord was not in the wind. The wind came. But God was not in the wind. The next verse, it says, And after the wind, there was an earthquake. But the Lord was not even in the earthquake. Do you know who experienced God like this? The people of Israel. If you read Exodus chapter 19, you would see that there was a mighty earthquake. And God made his presence known to the nation of Israel. So now there is an earthquake right now where Elijah is. And he's looking for the presence of God. And an earthquake comes. Now, he's connecting this back to what the people of Israel experienced in, in the same mountain years ago. And he's saying, wow, this is where I can find God. This is where I can experience God. This is where I can encounter God because there is an earthquake here. So he's trying to connect it back to somebody else's experience. But the Bible says, but the Lord was not in that earthquake. There was a windstorm, but God didn't show up in the windstorm. There was an earthquake, but God didn't show up in the earthquake. The third thing, it says, and after the earthquake, there was a fire. Do you know, the same place, God met Moses in a fire. Right? And the Bible says that Elijah's experience was that God was not even in the fire. Now, check this out. Elijah definitely, desperately needs an encounter with God. And he's looking for it. Will I find it in the windstorm? How David experienced? Or will I find it in the earthquake? How the nation of Israel experienced? Or will I find it in the fire? How Moses experienced? But the Bible says the Lord was not in any of these places. And the next verse, it says, Then after the fire was gone, came a sound of a gentle whisper. Now, Elijah could have easily ignored this whisper because God has never spoken to anybody in a whisper before. So he could have said, oh, this is, I've never seen this. I, you know, I'm familiar, you know, we were talking about familiarity the last time. I'm familiar with an earthquake. I'm familiar with a windstorm. And I'm familiar with a fire. But gentle whisper. How can God, come on, that cannot be God's voice. My pastor never taught me about a gentle whisper. Show me this in the Bible. Huh? Moses, has Moses ever experienced? Show me in the Bible, no? You know, people will come at you with all these questions saying, show me these experiences in the Bible. But see, God wants to do a new thing every time. God is doing something special for you, my dear friends. How God encounters you is not how God encounters him. It's not how God encountered the the the. the people of Israel of, or how God encountered the apostles. You and I, we don't want, you know, we, sometimes we pray, say, oh, let, let, let tongues of fire come. That's awesome if tongues of fire come. But that was their encounter. God wants to give you your own special, personal, unique encounter that nobody else has experienced, that nobody else can experience. There is innumerable number of see the thing is this you and I we are special for God 
And that's why God wants to give us a very unique encounter. An encounter that nobody else can experience. An encounter that nobody else can understand. And if we will be humble enough to hear that gentle whisper, God, I would like a more dramatic encounter. I would like an encounter that I can post on Instagram, right? I would like an encounter that I can talk about. God says, no, I'll give you a gentle whisper. Will you value that gentle whisper? Will you value the gentle whisper? It says, as soon as that whisper came, when Elijah heard it, see, the way that Elijah responded to that whisper, is when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in a cloak and he went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. Because she knew, now it's time. I didn't find God in the, in the windstorm or in the earthquake or in the fire, but now, here is the voice of God. The presence of God is coming to me through His voice, through His word, and I want to respond to this voice. I want to say yes to whatever He tells me. He goes hungry. He goes, He covers His face. He wrapped His face up. And the voice said again to Elijah, Elijah, what are you doing here, Elijah? See, if God was convinced about his previous answer, God, do you remember sometime back God just asked him the same question? If God was convinced about his previous answer, God would not have asked him again. But God didn't, God was not convinced about his previous answer. So now God shows himself to him in a very personal way. But for, but for Elijah to reach that place, he had to let go of some distractions of what somebody else was experiencing. This was, this was Moses' experience. This was Israel's experience. This was David's experience. Where is my experience? When you focus to that point where you're like, God, I want to experience you in my own personal way. When you, when you come to that place where you, you're like, I'm not satisfied by a superficial religion. I'm not satisfied by a superficial attendance of church every week. I need something that is real, that is tangible, that is not the same. When you come to God with that kind of desperation and that kind of hunger, I'm telling you, you and I, we are ready for our own unique encounters with God. And that, see, that, that focal point, that point where things begin to change, the point where things begin to uh, be magnified. See, if you, if you put a lens, right, if you put a, a magnifying lens or a, you know, uh, there are different types of lenses. We've all studied this in physics, yeah? If you put a particular lens and there is a light that is passing by, there will be a focal point. This is a point where all these rays of light, it converges, it meets in a particular point. And that particular point becomes the place from where the image gets reproduced. You know, it could, be mag it could be a magnified image, it could be a smaller image, it could be a, a different type of image. But that, that focal point, to reach that focal point, if you miss that focal point, if you keep it anywhere else, you wouldn't get the right image that you need. But if you go to that focal point, see, your focal point in life is the place where God encounters you. When you reach that focal point, I'm telling you, nothing will stop you. Absolutely nothing will be able to shake you up. Absolutely nothing will be able to uh, convince you that God is not on your side. 
The Bible says, if God is on our side, who can be against us? What can fight against me? So this morning, our desire is to reach that, that point of point where everything converges. Where, where we are, this is the word that I heard in my spirit this morning when I was praying. Where God said that some people in the church, they're going to reach the focal point, the point of all focus. It is, it is not in the earthquake, it is not in the fire, it is not in the... It's some, for some of you, it may not even be in the gentle whisper. Because God wants to give you your own personal encounter. A place where God's pursuit for your life and your pursuit for God's presence will converge. And that focal point, that point where everything meets, converges together, that will become the birthing point for the destiny that God is going to birth through your life. Let me tell you this experience that Peter, James, and John had in the New Testament, the book of Matthew chapter 17 and verse 1. The Bible says, six days later, Jesus took Peter and the two brothers, James and John, and led them up a high mountain to be alone. It's a similar experience to what Elijah is experiencing, right? It says, and as the men watched, Jesus' appearance was transformed so that his face, it shone like the sun and his clothes became as white as light. See, this, this presence of God, it has a way of highlighting some things of, in your life. And so right now, the Peter, James and John, they are with, the pres- with Jesus. They've walked with Jesus before this. They have known Jesus very well. But at this point, When they are up on the mountain, the clothes of Jesus begins to shine. The face of Jesus begins to shine, right? And Jesus begins to be transformed into a person that they have never seen or experienced before. Just like how God revealed himself to Elijah. Now God is revealing himself to Peter, James, and John. And suddenly the Bible says Moses and Elijah, they appeared and they began talking to Jesus. Okay, I want you to understand this. Who, who are they walking with? Jesus. Who took them up the mountain? Jesus. Who is the one who is transformed and is shining brightly? Jesus. And now, suddenly, Moses and Elijah, they appeared and they began talking with Jesus. Right? So, when Jesus got transformed, Peter didn't have much to say. But when Moses and Elijah came... Peter exclaimed, the Bible says, Peter exclaimed saying, Lord, it is wonderful for us to be here. This is, this is, this, I know this is God's will for us. This is where we want to be. It is wonderful for us to be here. If you want, this is what we'll do. I'll make three shelters as memorials. So I'll make three tents. One for you, Jesus, one for Elijah, and one for Moses, you know. And see, this is, this is the thing. We get too mesmerized by these fancy Moses and Elijah that come in the way. We get mesmerized by the earthquake and the, uh, and the fire and the uh, windstorm and all these experiences by, that somebody else has had. See, Elijah, it represented something that Elijah experienced, you know, who Elijah was. Moses represented something else. But these guys, as soon as they came here, they got mesmerized by Elijah and Moses, whereas their focal point was supposed to be Jesus. They they could not have encountered God without Jesus. Jesus was the reason why they are up here on the mountain. 
But right now they have lost their eyes off of Jesus and now they are focusing on Moses and Elijah. And he says, let's build a shelter for everybody. And identifying those people that are, or those things that are mesmerizing you. When you're in the, see, it can be even in the presence of God. It can be a worship leader. It can be a worship song. It can be a pastor. It can be a way of worship. Whatever it is that catches and, you know, uh, takes away all your attention. That thing can become a stumbling block for you to experience the presence of God. The Bible says that when this happened, uh, as he is speaking, he is not even completed speaking. He says, even as he spoke, a bright cloud came and overshadowed them. And then a voice came. A voice from the cloud said, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. You need to listen to him. Jesus is who you listen to. You don't have to focus on the Moses and the Elijah. But Jesus is the one who you focus on. The next verse, it says, And then the disciples, they were so terrified by this experience, they just fell down on the ground. And then Jesus came to them, and Jesus touched them and said, Get up! Don't be afraid! Get up! And don't be afraid. And they got up. The Bible says in the next verse, when they opened their eyes, they looked up and Moses and Elijah were gone. And they saw, come on, say it loudly. They saw, come on, they saw only Jesus. So Moses and Elijah couldn't have taken them into their encounter with God. See, Peter would remind us of this encounter in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 16, 17, 18. And he's telling us that I want you to remember that Jesus is coming back again. Okay, Peter is talking about the glorious coming of Jesus. Okay, and he says, and the reason I'm so sure of that fact that Jesus is coming back in his glory is because I heard that voice and we saw his glory on the mountain. So what Peter is saying is, what the encounter that I had on the mountain with Jesus, that encounter was the focal point from which I now know that Jesus is coming back. From which I know and I, I have already seen how Jesus will look like when he comes back again. He's saying this encounter, this tiny experience that I had in the presence of God, that set the precedent for me to experience God in much greater measure all through my life. So this morning, I want us to get rid of every other voice, every other person, every other thing that is standing in the way of you encountering Jesus. It could be the voice of Jezebel. It could be that solitary broom tree. It could be that firestorm, that windstorm, that, uh, that, that, that earthquake. Or, uh, or a Moses and Elijah, whatever those things or those people or those experiences are. If you can just say, Lord, take me to my focal point. Take me to that place where I can encounter you. Take me to that place. See, the Bible says a gentle whisper came to Elijah. And Elijah, when he pursued that whisper, that whisper became a voice that began to speak to him. Today, the Lord is not going to give you a magnified encounter and expect you to be faithful to it. The Lord is going to give you a tiny whisper encounter. 
and see if you're going to be faithful. See if you're going to pursue that whisper. See if you're going to continue to persist and remain faithful and remain committed to that one word God has given you. And if you do, that tiny whisper will become a giant voice. The tiny whisper will become a voice that will begin to direct and redirect and strengthen and help you all through your life. Today, the Lord is inviting us to our focal point. The Bible says, Jesus, in John 1 verse 1, the Bible says, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. And the Word, He came, he dwelt among us. He became flesh. This Jesus, this voice of God, the word of God, it became flesh and he dwelt among us. He became one of us. So today, if you're willing, if you're available, if, you're, if you'd let him, you're reaching that focal point where that word, that voice will begin to manifest for you. Come on, let's pray for a quick minute. Thank you for downloading today's sermon. We hope this ministered to you and your family today. Connect with us at dreamingrevival.com and you are welcome to join in to any of our Sunday celebration service at 11am or you can tune in to our live stream at youtube.com slash God bless you and have a blessed week.